Hello and welcome. Today we've got a nice little podcast lined up for you. We're going to have a quick chat with one of my good old friends. We're going to touch a number of topics, but we're keeping it health-related, stress, work, and we're going to also look at traveling as well, because at the moment he actually lives in Saudi. So, hello, Serge. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Zof. It's been a while, um, and it's 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 a pleasure to hear your voice. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I think it's an interesting concept. And definitely, I think it's nice to share some, you know, some information on things that we're both passionate about. And more importantly, particularly the topics that we are looking to discuss. I think it's good to share that knowledge. Uh, if it can help anybody, then, yeah, I think that's a win. Definitely, yeah. Thank you. It's always nice to see you as well. We weren't too long ago. We were riding around in motorcycles in Birmingham. So that was a feels like ages ago. But hopefully you're getting Gosh, another yeah. bike soon. I want to hear about that. I am. I am. So, as you know, when we last met, I was on my Kawasaki Ninja 600. Um, since then, I've gotten rid of that now. So, that's, it was only a short stint I owned it for. But um, I'm glad that I did. I got it out of my system. And lo and behold, what my brother kept telling me will happen after I ride the 600, I'm going to want a litre bike. And... I think you said the same to me, didn't you, when yeah. we met that that happened. So I think I've still got the bug. So yeah, I've gotten rid of that now, and um, I have already decided to get my next bike, which I've purchased now, which will be, so I'm going to break the news to you now. Go ahead. So it's a BMW S1000RR. Oh, wow. Bloody hell, you went straight in there, didn't you? That's a big upgrade. You'll feel the difference from... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think you write after about your first impression? Well, that makes me have a kick of my... No, I need to get something now, don't I, to keep up with you? Because that's going to be a very nice, comfortable bike. One thing about it is, mm-hmm. you won't notice how easy it feels to go fast on it. Because it's so comfortable, you'll do a mm-hmm. lot of speed without noticing it. So you'll have to be very careful that you don't end up getting too fast on Points. it. Yeah. I agree, I agree. No, I think, to be honest, though, I mean, I was doing a lot of research... Um, as you know, I love my sports bikes. I was torn between the Fireblade um, the, and then I kind of just, you know, ran about in an accidental way, sorry, I, I stumbled upon the 1000 because the 1000 R always knew of it yeah. and I was in, interested by it, but I wasn't too sure about it. Um, and then the reason for that was purely because I felt it was just too much out of my budget. I couldn't justify paying such a high amount. Uh, for a bike which I'm in my specific circumstance I'm only going to ride for literally a handful of days throughout the year because as you know I, I I work and live abroad I live in Saudi yeah. in Riyadh so um, I only get back in the summer for a couple of weeks and in the winter uh, for Christmas holidays That's but, a nice nice start to this episode I think getting some great news that you're going to be smashing around in a BMW the next time you're here yeah, hopefully. So fingers crossed. Hopefully things go well. And yeah, you'll be seeing me next and I'll be coming up and showing you to you immediately. Nah, that sounds great. I think what we will do is a future episode as well. We'll talk about your journey abroad and how you're working yeah. there because you've made sure. quite a big move and like career-wise and also how that's affecting you in terms of health and what you do to keep up with optimum health. Because last time I saw you, you gave me some amazing tips and I was like, you know what, we need to share yeah, this a bit sure. more. And you said as well, actually, you know what, a podcast might be a good idea. So I'm glad we've started to look at that route and see mm-hmm. how we can get some, like you said, word out there to more people just so they know what else is available because it's amazing the types of tips you gave me that helped me just to keep an eye on my health, what I'm eating, how I'm eating it, and just being fit because as we get on, because we are getting older now, it's harder. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, to be honest, when it comes to health, I mean, I've always been health conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, that's been because growing up, as you were, you can attest to uh, from, be, you know, being schooled together, um, mm-hmm. I did have a very big weight problem. So I was overweight. I wasn't, I think I wasn't, uh, you know, overly obese, but I was overweight. Um, and I think that affected me psychologically, which we can talk on to as we get on a bit, the psychological yeah. factors that this has. And me now working with children, um, the kind of impact that can have. And I've got some real life examples which I can give and mm-hmm. how that can, that, that can make a big difference to a child from particularly a younger age. So I think me personally, I'm so passionate about health and well-being um, purely because of the fact that I was affected by it. So I've made it kind of my mission, my life's goal and mission to remain, remain fit, remain healthy. Um, and in a, to be honest, when I'm looking after my, my, my weight, when I'm looking after my health, it's, um, it's a kind of a metaphor for kind of success as opposed to actual success because in reality, it's, it's quite subjective, isn't it? How you look is very subjective. Yeah. How you feel is very personal. Um, and beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, so to speak. So it's not more so of me looking good. It's more about how I'm feeling. So, yeah, I'm very yeah, passionate about that. Right about that. You've, the minute you look good, you automatically feel good as well. So you walk differently. You know you're not really... It's like... What's that word? It's like you're kind of... You walk it and you know that actually, wait a minute, I know I'm as fit as I can be. Whereas if you're a bit lazy or you're sluggish or you're not as healthy, that tends to show in the type of how you walk, how you talk. So it does um, show ab- you can see. Absolutely, absolutely. So a perfect example is, I mean, workloads or anybody who's working in an office, for example, or wherever you work. I mean, if you're particularly if you're wearing a uniform or if you are wearing smart clothes or even casual clothes, I mean, you can ask anybody and I'm sure nine times out of ten they would agree that when your clothes start to suddenly feel a little bit tight or when you start to get a little bit uncomfortable or you, or when, particularly when somebody makes a comment, oh, you gained a bit of weight or you put a bit of pounds on, which usually is the case after Christmas or coming into the new year over the Christmas period and everybody's just kind of binging on bad food with family and friends. So that, hence why all statistics and studies show that it's a proven fact that Come 1st of January and up until about the mid to the end of January, beginning of February, every single gym across the country and probably world, they have a spike in registrations because, of course, over Christmas, everybody's like, this is my new goal. This is a New Year's, uh, New Year's, um, um, New Year's resolution. I'm going to lose weight, et cetera, et cetera. And then that team's aware of. So, so I think the reason for that is because people are, whether consciously or subconsciously, are very conscious of how they look. Yeah. And what do you think yeah. about that though during that time when you have a spike a lot of people will join the gyms and do like a month or two and then they come off again do you think there's a better way of doing that or is it is the right thing that when they have that push you should just join a gym or is there another way of doing that to stay fit no so I think the biggest mistake one could make personally is just doing anything blindly so and we do that every day in our life don't we We and the oldest tool in the, in the box is failing to prepare meaning you, mean you are preparing to fail. So, but we don't think about that, do we? I mean, when you, I mean, when we want to eat something, we, sometimes we ask ourselves, what do we want to eat today? So we've, ha- we've all had that moment where we feel like a pizza and we know it's a pizza and we pick up the phone, we order the pizza and we get it, we receive it, we eat it, we enjoy it and it's awesome. There are other times where you feel like, I want to eat something today, but I can't decide. 
So whoever you're with, whether it's friends, family, whoever, they will keep, and I know this happens with me a lot, somebody will be like, what shall we eat today? And they'll keep throwing the idea of let's have um, Italian, let's have Indian, let's have uh, Chinese takeaway. And everything is a no, no, I don't feel like that today. I don't feel like mm-hmm. that today. I don't feel like that today. Because we're so indecisive, because we're given so much choice. Okay, so what choices do is choices can sometimes be a good thing. So a choice is a blessing, but it could be a curse if not managed correctly. So I think when it comes to joining the gym, when it comes to losing weight, when it comes to just going straight in, like you said, if that's a good thing, I think the choice being available to us of just joining and immediately hitting the ground running, that kind of ruins the progress because that, that takes away the learning stage of what it is, what it takes to lose weight. What are the fundamentals of health? What are, what are the basics, the basic one-on-one principles of losing weight, being in a surplus of food, of what your body is supposed to be having, being in a deficit? So I think because of that lack of in the education and lack of knowledge, your average person, and me included, growing up, just struggled with weight. Continuously was a continuous cycle. Okay, that's interesting. So that is something to look at and think about. But also being more healthy reduces the likelihood of diseases and other things that kind of cause more problems. So have you had any experiences with that where you find that now that you're a bit fitter, you don't feel as congested and you're more up for energy, more energetic experiences? Oh my God. So I, I do something called, I undertake something called intermittent fasting. I've been doing it now for the best part of at least four, certainly four, coming on to five years. I originally got introduced to it by just self, being self-taught, so doing some research. And uh, in the summer of 2018, um, when I was, I just basically, I was in Saudi Arabia alone. I came back from a family vacation. I was here on my own, and um, I thought I have got time. Um, I'm eating under, I'm eating everything under the sun. I'm enjoying my takeaways. I'm, I love, I got a very, very big sweet tooth, so I just love sugar. I love um, donuts, snacks, and obviously living in this part of the world is just so uh, easily, readily available. But I continuously, whatever I was eating, at the time I was enjoying it, but after I was feeling rubbish because I felt really overweight and just sluggish and heavy and big. So it got to a stage where I thought enough is enough, you know, in my in my work life, in my professional life, uh, as a teacher, if I need to teach uh, a particular novel, I go away, I learn about the novel, I do the character analysis, I, I learn about exactly what the schemes of work are, I learn about what the learning objectives would be for my learners. If I, if you, when I was going into my motorcycle uh, license, you will know, again, I really bunkered down, I really came back to the UK, I, I locked myself away, I just ate, slept you know, dreamt bike, bike, bike. I really learned the fundamentals of what needed to be done. And, you know, I achieved that by passing my test at a later stage. So anything and everything we do, we always study. We're told if you want to get a degree, you have to study. If you want to pass a test or an exam, you have to revise. But we're never taught if you want to lose weight, what you need to do. Have you realized that? Have you noticed that? It's like everybody knows it's easy. You just go gym. But people don't realize, like, you could be going to the gym for the best part of 20, 30 years even. And I know people personally in my life who have been going to the gym for 20, 15, 20 years of their life, but their body, body fat percentage is, I mean, north of 20%. So 
So, and it, it baffles you. And when you ask them, they're like, oh, we just struggle with it, man. We don't know. We train so hard, but we just don't understand why. You know, we can't lose the weight. Or, you know, because the reality of the situation is half of it is discipline, which I will talk about a little bit later on. But the other half is actually the science behind the way the body works. And that, I think, is something where I, I have my own personal beliefs, but I feel the media is to blame. I feel social... Uh, social um, training and social kind of mindset is to blame and more importantly the lack of education which is available to blame and again I have my reasons for believing why and it makes sense from a financial point of view so I think yeah you're right that does make a big difference so now with that information you've given me there would you say that's something that is cross person like for example the intermittent fasting, eating, getting healthy, does that work for everybody? I know you mentioned it to me and it has worked for me, which is a good thing. But if someone was listening to this, could they adapt those principles and it would work for them? Or does it depend on the type of person that does it? So my first initial response to that question would be whoever this is aimed at. So if anybody's listening to this right now, if you're thinking it, it doesn't work for me, my first question would be, how are you here today? So you're probably thinking, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. So your ancestors from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years ago, when life was born or whatever the way this, this universe was created, I mean, if you track back to your ancestors from hundreds and hundreds of years ago, whoever, whomever they may be, since when humans existed, they actually did intermittent fasting and you're still here today. So I think that answer is already thrown at the at the water. So because if okay, you don't expand work, on that, expand on that a bit more. So some people that don't really understand that when you say okay. that, how, what do you mean by that? So what I mean by that is, I don't even need to go so far. Let's just go 100 years ago. Okay. So 100 years ago, or say 150 years ago, people were alive. They were living. They were around, of course, because that's why we're still here. So, but at the time there was no social media. There was no McDonald's, there was no Burger King, no Dunkin' Donuts, no, no dessert parlors. There was no, by the way, if you look back again, this is what I mean about doing the research and learning facts and, not, and being objective and open-minded and willing to learn and willing to have an open mind and accept. If you look back and realize there was no civilization of, of timings when it comes to food, so what I mean by that is we are now taught, and if you realize something, have you noticed, we, know, we all know there's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But have you noticed the past decade, or at least certainly the best part of the last six, seven years, I'm beginning to see, particularly even out here, you're seeing menus for brunch? Yeah, in between, yeah. So, 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 so that's kind of becoming a, a phenomenon now with the younger generation, so they don't know any difference. So they'll, ha- they'll wake up, they'll have breakfast, and then a couple hours later with their friends, they'll say, let's go for brunch. So brunch is not breakfast because it's later than breakfast, mm-hmm. but not lunch because it's earlier than lunch. So what that's happened, what's happened is you're constantly in a form of constantly feeding your body food and calories and, you know, just putting, putting food and things in your body to keep you ticking. Mm-hmm. So the original answer to your question was, does it work for everybody? Absolutely, because if it didn't, they wouldn't be here. In answer to your second question, which was explain a bit how do I mean about, you know, from people of hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. So they did intermittent fasting unintentionally. So when there was a scarcity of food, they were doing intermittent fasting without realizing. 
So they never sat down in front of the gears and go and thought, oh, we would like to lose a bit of weight, let's do IF, let's do intermittent fasting for 10, 10 hours. So, I mean, it's a known fact. The world knows. We've read about it in our history books. Um, we've got, if you just go back to you and me in history with Mr. Jones, Mr. Yeah. Jones, I believe, and the Red, the Red Indians, um, yeah. and of course, at the time, my, one of my favorite novels and books, which I still teach to my students today, by the way, incidentally, which is um, about the buffalo, Tatanka. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the famous the book, I mean, the Red Indians at the time, they were so famous for hunting a buffalo. Mm-hmm. And the whole head or family would eat that big, massive buffalo. And then they would go weeks, weeks, probably sometimes even months without food. But water was readily available because we have lakes, we have rivers, we have, obviously we have an ocean. Mm-hmm. So water was never an issue. It was food that's always the issue. So we are designed originally, inherently, our bodies are, are designed to eat to survive. Mm-hmm. Okay, if we don't eat, our bodies suddenly start eating away at our body fat, and the body fat becomes too thin, then it starts eating away at our muscle, and once the muscle is gone, then it starts eating away at our organs, and once the organs are fail- failure, then it goes towards our bone, and that's when we die, right? So mm-hmm. that's also otherwise known as, you know, uh, a person who's malnourished. Okay. So, what's happened now is we're not eating to survive. We are, survive- we are surviving to eat. So yeah. what I mean by that, what I mean by that, think about it, like everybody just wants to eat all the time. If they don't mm-hmm. eat, they're so angry, they're so tired, they're so yeah. exhausted. So we're living our lives daily just to eat. And if a person sometimes doesn't have a meal, they get super angry, they get frustrated, they get ratty. There's new terminologies, I'm hungry. So I'm hungry and angry, right? But they're angry and hungry because they've eaten at a time they expect to eat. They don't, the body doesn't actually need food. They're just eating because of that routine that I ate this time yesterday. I remember you telling me this before and that really clicked for me. Yes, so again, so again, and let me give you another example which is going to um, be a little bit more evidential for that, on that point. So we have animals. We know whether it's a dog, horse or a cat. Mm-hmm. Animals need to feed, they need to eat in order to survive. If you notice, particularly with dogs, because the easiest way to, uh, to review this is with dogs, it's, it's of course as a pet, you, every person who owns a dog, who is the owner of a dog, will know whenever it's, it's food time for a dog or a cat, they immediately come to you. They come, they wag their tail, or they'll give you a little bit of a meow, they'll, or they'll bark at you, or they'll just immediately know it's the food time. Now, a dog, as, as far as I'm aware, I'm pretty sure they can't read the clock or they can't read the time or they don't, they don't wear an Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. So there's no way of them physically knowing that it's time to eat or it's dinner time or lunch time or my owners put food out for me. So, but what happens is that releases uh, a hormone called ghrelin. Okay, so ghrelin is a hormone which releases messages to our brain telling us it's time to eat, we're hungry. So that hormone is what we go through when we go through stress, when we go through anxiety, when we go through um, emotional pain, when we go through a heartache, when we go through grieving. So a lot of factors, whether we go, whether it's work-related, pers- in, you know, personal life, or professionally related, hence why there's two types of people. Some lose a lot of weight when they're stressed and worried and upset and sad, as I'm sure we've all encountered. Or on the contrary, there's people who gain a lot of weight when they're worried and stressed. You probably noticed that yeah. too. Yeah. So 
again, and the reason for that is, is because when the hormone is released, ghrelin is telling our brain, we're hungry, so what's the first reaction as a human? You can't, you, because we're, 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 as creatures, as species, we don't like suffering. We want to try everything in our power to avoid suffering because we were used to comfortability and the world has designed us in such a way that everything is about comfortability. So our brain is used to sleeping on a lovely bed. Our brain is used to having Wi-Fi. Our brain, brain is used to having a nice warm shelter. Our brain is used to having, now imagine surviving without an iPhone. Hmm. I mean, I'm thousands of miles away and we're, we're creating this podcast. So hmm. our brains are designed and rewired to just be comfortable. And that hasn't really changed. That was the case with when it comes to food too. That makes sense? Or am I, yeah. I think I'm diverging, diverging a bit. No, but I think that's good. The way you took that is a better way of explaining it because different people like to hear it in different ways. So you give me two good yeah. examples there which give you that idea. It's also worth mentioning that you can be really harsh on yourself and do a lot of extra exercise and push yourself to get to a point. But as a little caveat, if you're listening to this, make sure you get medical advice before you do any extreme type of change or underlying conditions, things like that, because not everybody can straight away do this. If you're at an extreme point where you've not done exercise for a really long time, it may be a different way of approaching it. So make sure you get your own medical advice and information about that. Um, But as we're going through this, how do you think this health and well-being affects the career progressions do you feel if you're more healthy, you do better in a work environment? So when you say healthy, do you mean when you feel healthy or do you look healthy? Is there a difference? So yes, again, because I think, and again, I'm very torn on this because I know people and I work with people as a, as a trainer all the time who look healthy, but they're not actually healthy from inside. So just because you look at a lower body fat percentage or it looks like you're not overweight, um, it might seem like you're quite athletic and you're fit looking, but you're not actually healthy because you might be drinking, you might be smoking excessively, you might be doing a lack of any cardiovascular exercise. So if you're lacking any of these things or you've got any of these bad habits, you might look like you're not overweight because what we do is we equate health to being slim. I think that's fair. Is that a fair Mm. parameter to say? I think if you ask your general, in a layman's terms, if you ask any person off the street, uh, what do you define as healthy? They would say a person is slim, who's not fat, not overweight, who's skinny, and that would be their definition of healthy. Hmm. All right? Equally, I've got friends who are overweight by comparison. If you compare to their body fat percentage, they've got, you know, 20% plus body fat. But hmm. being boxers, they train. They have a lot of stamina. They run four or five miles a day. They can outrun any and everybody I know, mm-hmm. but they don't look healthy. So I think we have to be very careful and distinguish the difference between actual healthy and looking healthy and actually being healthy. All right. So th- I think those are two. I think those are two aspects which we do a lot of the time can um, get mixed up with. In, in answer to your question about does it does it make a difference in work? I think I think if we're really honest, it's a. I think it's it's a lie to say it doesn't make a difference how you look at work. Again, per, certainly in my 15 years of professional life, being a manager in the past, as you know, we worked in a similar company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looks matter. First impression matters. And when I say looks, I don't mean looks in terms of a person's beauty, in terms of a person's attraction, because again, beauty is very subjective, mm-hmm. right? So, but I think the general perception, the way the human brain is designed, is if a person looks like they look after themselves, it, it sets off a signal that you are well-versed. 
you are you are professional you are um obviously you take you know into account how you look therefore you are going to be on top of your work you're going to be neat you're going to be tidy you're going to be you know tidiness makes a big difference so again that's not to say if you're not any of those things you're not going to be effective at work that's exactly the point we're talking about you can be so effective but not be not look smart or not look mm-hmm. healthy but i think in our situation absolutely i do think it does make a difference certainly when you start moving up to the upper echelons of an organization i think these things you do make a difference because now being in a position in a senior leadership position in an education field absolutely as i want my staff i want my teachers to look a particular way and again is that a little bit of um a disadvantage to them yes but i demand high standards and at the end of the day i feel like if somebody looks after themselves if they're dressed professionally if they're dressed like they they mean they mean business mm-hmm. then ultimately 90% of the time they will kind of have that mindset they will want to work hard you would want to stay on top of your work you're going to be you know very tidy in everything that you do so yeah i, I do agree Expand i do on that think a little bit there it used to be like 20 years ago 15 years ago people used to wear suits all the time like it was like a gentleman thing to do and they looked a lot yeah, smarter sure. and everybody that wore a suit got a little bit better than someone who wasn't wearing a suit so it's more like they say that saying where you should dress for the job you want not the job you've got and absolutely my progression how we've gone through we used to have someone at work they used to always wear track suits like on dress down day and then I used okay. to wear like a blazer and okay. we had the same kind of role to start off with but when people come through and business managers upper level managers walk through they'll always say oh who's that guy with the smart jacket who's that guy and they kind of okay. give you a boost understanding that you're paying attention to your clothes which means you're going to pay the same level of attention to your work as well so that kind of trans gives you a, a wider view and it does work and it also lets people know that you're serious about what you want to do so i think that's helped me a lot as well kind of going through the journey of yeah, work yeah. and starting from the bottom and slowly working up we've done similar things and you've done really well as well and you're a very smart person so i think you're right and that point to reiterate it is something that can have a big impact looking the part yeah i think i think you're 100% right and again i've been a victim of this whereby um a victim of my own ignorance that i didn't realize the importance or the impact that this has on society because again this is all about knowing the human brain understanding the way the human psychology works and we can argue until we're blue in the face it's right or wrong that's a moral issue on the ethical issue we're not talking about if that's a right or the thing or a wrong thing because you can argue a person could look like a janitor or like a cleaner or like a person cleaning the toilet and there could be the next tim cook so this that, that's not what's in question we're not questioning a person's intellectual ability but i think it's fair to say unfortunately it is the old saying you should never judge a book by its cover mm. but the reality is if that was true then marketing wouldn't exist so it does matter it does matter what you look like it does matter if the if the if the dessert and if the picture of the dessert looks horrible you're not ordering that dessert from the restaurant mm-hmm. if your steak doesn't look scrumptious you're not going to order that steak if your if that is the that the designer or the style isn't being flaunted and thrown in our face continuously you won't even know that they exist and let me give you a perfect example of that is Balenciaga is a very known brand, a very well-known designer brand, mm-hmm. and they've just done a, a very recently. I was reading an article about a study that they've done, and they wanted to just prove the very point I was talking about that the mind of the human psyche goes by whatever society keeps pushing to them. 
Mm-hmm. So if you notice Balenciaga, out of maybe a hundred designs, one or two are maybe appealing, or one or two are good enough. Certainly, I still wouldn't wear them, mm-hmm. but they're good enough to be like, okay, I'll wear that, I'll pass with that. The others are, in my personal opinion, again, it's very subjective, um, is they're quite, to be honest, they're not attractive at all. They're quite ugly to me, totally. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people I know about, because they are a known brand, because they are Balenciaga, because they are so famous, if you wear them, you feel like, wow, look at me, and everybody will be like, whoa, they look amazing. So I think that when, in answer to your question about does it make a difference at work, it does because I think when you look a particular way, you will psychologically, subconsciously start to act a particular way. You will, because that's why, and, and again, if you look back at all the studies, especially in the UK over the years, over the past 20 years, um, I mean, if you look at all the studies that have done undress stand days, because in offices on Fridays, I think usually it's undress stand day, yeah. the product, productivity went down. On undress stand day, the productivity went down. And it's so funny because I, when I used to work in the UK many years ago, in same with you in the same organization that we worked in, Fridays was a dress stand day, I remember. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, on a Thursday, I would start to switch off. I was a manager at the time. And I still had my duties to do, I still had my tasks to do, but psychologically, I would start to switch off on a Thursday. Now, looking back now, I don't, maybe, again, I don't think it would was entirely because of my clothes or my attire, but I certainly think it did make a difference. Mm-hmm. I 100% do agree it makes a big difference. And again, I'll tell you how we can give a very real life example. When we go out to ride, if you're in your full leather suit, and you jump on your sports bike, yeah. how is your mindset going to be compared to just wearing tracks yeah. with arms, just a t-shirt and jumping on a, on a scooter and just going for a fish and chips? I did some research on that as well, where cyclists that wear helmets, people look at them and take more risks, but cyclists that don't wear helmets, like as in bike cyclists, yeah. people driving around them are a bit more careful that, oh, I might hit him, he might fall off. did like a full survey on that. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay, that's interesting. People are treating him more safely because he's not wearing a helmet but he should be wearing a helmet for himself. So it's like, there's a lot of how that works out, but it's right, you're in interesting area that. So if, I think that's a different topic altogether. That's mm. some, certainly I'm not experienced or qualified enough to discuss the human brain or the psyche or the, psych, the mm. psychology behind it. But definitely, I think if you study human behavior, there's a lot of things that don't make sense, but they are just what they are. And that, I think your life experience shows yeah, that. Equivalent to that would be, when you're wearing full leathers, you'll feel a bit more safe and you'll take more risks. But if you do fall off, we're all going to fall on the same floor. So it's yeah, very exactly. like that slight bit of, oh, it's giving me false confidence. Yeah, you know, 100%. It's, it's masked, isn't it? It's masked confidence mm-hmm. that, that yeah. masked Batman or Superman comes out in you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, ultimately, it is good. It's for your own safety. But again, that's just you as an individual feeling like that. So imagine yeah. when somebody's looking at you. Yeah. So again, if I if I turn up to a, a motorbike, a motorcycle meet or a, a bike show or let's just say a bike meetup mm-hmm. and I'm wearing shorts and a yeah. t-shirt and a motorbike. How would the others look at me mm-hmm. compared to me wearing my full suit yeah. with an airbag on the back with my mm-hmm. shoey helmet, my full leathers? It's a psychological thing. You would think, okay, this guy knows his business. He might be a racer. Mm-hmm. He might be a racer. He, he definitely might know how to get his knee down. Yeah. He might, but he knows his stuff if he's rolled up on that bike. If I come up in a t-shirt and shorts, I mean, I fall as you know, I could be an advanced rider. Yeah. Fall as you know, I could be an ex-cup. But if I come in a shorts and t-shirt, you'll think, you know what, most likely he's probably on I mean, his bike, he's rubbed mm. it. <laughs> Correct? Would you agree? Yeah. So I think in, in answer to your question, I think it does, it probably not directly ever, 
But I think silently there's always that voice in your brain as a leader or as a manager or as somebody who's in charge of employing somebody whereby you do look at how the person has presented themselves, how they're dressed, how they come across, how they look, how they, um, you know, seem because that the energy they give off, I think the energy is contagious. And I think that does affect people. I do truly believe that because we are, I also believe we are all energy and energy is volume and that's another another, yeah. another topic for another day. I think what we'll do is we'll wrap this up slowly now by a few last couple of topics more about your focus so at the moment you're very focused and driven so when you've got like an idea that you need to do something for example you want to get healthy you'll fully lock down onto that and get into an area where you're actually concentrating 100% on that and then achieve it where do you get that from or is there some steps that people can take to get that focus onto achieving their goal Yes, so I think, again, the biggest thing that anybody needs to focus on when they are trying to achieve any goal is have a plan. I think failing, like the oldest saying in the book is having a goal without a plan is only a wish. So I think when you have a goal, uh, you need to have a plan which is going to be aligned with that goal. Because, you know, we all want to become millionaires. We all want to become successful in our life. We all want to become... you know, really, really good at our craft. We all want to continue learning, you know, be the best piano players or the best racers or the best, you know, whether we're business entrepreneurs or whatever, whatever line of work we or feel or fear we walk on in life. But we never actually sit down and say, okay, I need to get to Z. I'm at A. How do I get to B first? We just want to get straight to Z. From A to Z, we just want to get straight to Z. We want to miss out all the middle part. And we don't mind if we stumble upon X or Y, but we still ultimately want to get to Z as quickly as possible. So I think the biggest problem anybody trying to lose weight or trying to achieve anything, whether it's work, whether it's professional development, whether it's career development, whether it's personal relationships with friends, family, partners, spouses, I think the biggest thing they should do is have a goal and have a realistic, timely target. So being specific, specific in what you want to do, being very time, you know, uh, set it accordingly to a smart objective you would set, which would be be specific, which would be measurable, that you can measure, something which would be timely, um, and more importantly, something which is achievable and realistic. So, you know, I think anybody looking to lose weight, the first thing they need to do is be very clear on what they want to achieve, how much do they want to lose, and if anybody says, oh, I have, I have clients all the time come to me, Saj, we want to lose weight. We have a wedding in seven weeks. Tell me what I need to do. I'm committed. And I immediately stop them. Immediately. I say, if you're immediate from the right, from the word go, your mindset is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, because when it comes to losing weight or putting on muscle or becoming an athlete or just like yourself now as an entrepreneur or as somebody who's gone into tech and business, your goals have to be for a different reason as to what your average person tells you. So, for example, if you want to go and be a businessman to become rich, chances of you actually becoming rich are going to be very slim. If you, if you start, just like with this podcast, we're not creating this podcast right now to suddenly become number one bestseller on iTunes. You know, we're just, we're just running with it. We're just sharing ideas. We're just being two friends. You know, it's a nice, lovely excuse and a nice opportunity for us to catch catch up with each other, stay in contact, make use of the technology we have, and whatever comes of it would be a symptom. The success would be a symptom of that good intention. And I think that's what needs to be when people are losing weight. They need to be very focused on a specific goal, but in the short term, take a day at a time, be very clear on the goal of what they need to, what they want to achieve, and then have a proper realistic plan of how much they want to achieve it. Uh, I'm sorry, how much 
they want it, but then how will they go about achieving that goal? And I think that plan is something which 90% of people trying to lose weight never ever have, and that's why they fail. Definitely. I think we touched on a number of good topics today. It was really nice catching up with you. We're going to have a more deep dive in some of these topics because okay. we've kind of scratched sure, over sure. a few of these areas. I know there's a lot more you can share with me. So what we will do is we're going to say this is a nice little catch-up and a podcast just updating you on this progress of importance of health, the fitness, the career development. We talked a little bit tangents there about motorcycling and a little other things, yeah. but they all tie into that goal if you're fit and you've got a good health you'll want to do new things and also yeah. listening to podcasts there's loads of podcasts out there that are not really big but i've listened to a few smaller podcasts that give you that little bit of a nugget of information like you've given today you've given so many good tips that someone will be like actually you know what that makes sense and even a small change in your life making you more healthy will work wonders so thank you very much uh, for joining me and we're going to catch up on the next Zorf talk You're listening to Zolf Talks. This podcast is designed to help working for yourself. I am sharing my journey of how I work for myself. I appreciate you listening to this episode. If you would like me as a guest speaker on your podcast, live stream or video, you can reach out. It's nice and easy. You go to zolftalks.com. You have a couple of boxes there. You can actually select a box which says have me as your guest. Simple form. Fill that out. And I'll be happy to come on to your podcast, live stream or video to share a bit of knowledge. I talk a lot about working for yourself, live stream setting up, podcast recording, multiple social media content creation ideas. One of the team will get back to you with my calendar and we can set up something to cross over and have me as a guest on your show. It'll be a pleasure. It would be really good if you can leave a review wherever you're listening to this. There's multiple locations the podcast is available on and this episode has been made possible by the help of trustedcreators.org. Thank you and I'll see you on the next episode.